0: Welcome to episode four of We Can Do This. I'm really excited for today's conversation with Mike Kim. Mike is a brand strategist and copywriter. He's worked with people like John Maxwell and Donald Miller of StoryBrand and some other really influential thought leaders and brands. He's also the author of You Are the Brand, his new book that is slated to release this year. And Mike and I have actually known each other for quite a while from our previous career paths. Mike has actually been someone that I've really looked to for guidance and mentorship, and I've hired him for coaching, and he's helped me a whole lot in my own career as I've built up my business. And this episode is really great if you're someone who is feeling stuck and knows that you need to make a transition and you may have ideas of starting your own business or partnering with someone to start a business and you just don't know what to do next. This is gonna be a really great episode for you. So with no further ado, let's jump into the episode with Mike Kim. hey welcome to the podcast today we are here with mike kim mike is a speaker and marketing strategist who specializes in brand strategy and copywriting he has been hired by some of today's most influential thought leaders in brands including john maxwell donald miller Suzanne evans and catalyst and for years he was the chief marketing officer of a successful multi-million dollar company near new york city nowadays you'll find him speaking at conferences looking for the next great place to scuba dive and sipping a glass of Macallan 15 all while teaching everything he knows about branding, entrepreneurship, and life through his podcast, Brand You. Mike, welcome to the show.
1: Sean, it is awesome to be here, and
0: thanks for everyone tuning in today. Hope to add some value to you all. Yeah, absolutely. So Mike and I have known each other for quite a while now. I've really resonated with his work because we have kind of very similar stories and backgrounds. And we actually knew each other through those backgrounds, through our, our days in music and ministry and some of the work we did before we started our own businesses. So, Mike, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think it's, it's kind of full circle for me. I listened to your podcast while I was kind of making my own transition into starting my own business. And I think it was a couple years ago I was on your show. And now it feels like full circle having you jump on an episode with me.
1: Yeah. It's super exciting that you've started the podcast and all of this is a journey, isn't it? It's funny because I have used to hear a lot when we were growing up, you never know what life's going to throw at you. You never know how life is going to turn out. No one can predict the future, all these kind (laughs) of things. Right. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's nice. Whatever. Right. I'm sure that means something like, I never thought I'd live in California or I never thought I'd live in this country, but for you and I just was like complete transformation, like trajectories of our careers and our vocations and all of these things. And now we're podcasting and we're sharing our ideas in this medium, whereas, you know, in a different life, we were very much sharing our thoughts and ideas from a different venue and a different vantage point. So it is full circle and uh, it, it is really cool to see this happen for you. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm I'm super excited. It's all pretty wild. And when I think of you, I think you're like the person I know who is always like on the go the most, like traveling. Speaking at conferences, I look on your Instagram and I thought you were in one place, but you're in another place. So I know you're in L.A. now. And so I'm curious, like over this past year, how was that transitioning from always being on the go to kind of slowing down a bit? It's funny because I still think I
1: traveled a lot Mm. in the last year once you know the united states locked down everywhere i still think i travel more than the average person does in a year yeah. well that's absolutely true and i was kind of grounded for a little while obviously when things locked down initially last march and april and i didn't go anywhere for like six weeks and it was actually really good for me it was good for me to be home i kind of reinvented a lot of things in my business in the way that i was you know interacting with people and the things that i was doing and i really took to heart the words a friend of mine said, because he did say something like that along the lines of what you said, Hey, you're always on the go. And I thought to myself, like I I was sharing with him, his friend, his name is Jeff. And I was like, I just don't feel super happy, like doing what I'm doing. Hmm. And he's like, well, you're always on the go and you're doing a lot of short term things, but you need to build something that's long-term. And he said this, he said, building things is fun. And I was like, huh? Okay. And thought about, how one of the big things I've always wanted to do is write a book. And I had actually signed a book deal about five years ago, but because of my personal life kind of going sideways I went through a divorce and stuff like that, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. So dude, I just locked down <laughs> <laughs> like literally during lockdown. And I just wrote this book and it'll be out later this year in July. And it's really the culmination of the last seven, eight years of stuff that I've learned, the of stuff that I've taught, of stuff that I've learned through teaching what I knew. All right. Mm-hmm. And seeing transformation happen. So that was really good, sort of surreal that I did that. And I think that looking back, that slowing down was really actually very, very good for me.
0: Yeah. I remember when you shared that originally, that idea of like, what are you building? And is this something mm-hmm. that you want once it's built, like actually run and do? And those are important questions to ask. I think a lot of people that listen to this show are. In the process of wanting to build either a brand or a business mm-hmm. or a career that they actually want to be involved with for the long haul. So i like, that's actually one of the reasons I really wanted to invite you on the show as one of our first interviews is that I think a lot of your story really resonates with people who listen to this show. And so because I know you personally, right? And we've worked together and I'm in your mastermind group and, you know, you've been able to coach me through my own business. I know a a whole lot about your story, but I really want to share some of that with listeners of the show today, because you really went from having a career that you had planned to kind of pivoting to another industry that you didn't necessarily plan and then eventually started your own business and are where you're at now. So do you mind sharing with our listeners today? How did you get from you know, really sitting at a desk job to now you're traveling around the world and sharing about marketing and branding, and now you're releasing a book. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: it it actually predates like what I did even in business or in marketing. So for many years, and this is how you and I met, Sean, just, but just for those of you are listening, since I graduated college, I thought, for the rest of my life, I would be involved in vocational ministry. I was very involved in a Christian church that I grew up in since junior high. I was very active there. What I mean by active, like it was, you know, I went to a lot of the the events, the services, I signed up for a lot of volunteer positions. I was given a lot of volunteer positions. I showed a lot of capability and promise, I think in that arena. And eventually, I took a job as the music director for a church in Connecticut. And that was a full-time gig, and I did that for four years, and I thought that this is this is what I've always wanted to do. And so I, I went to town. It was I was like, I, I don't think life could get that much better. This is amazing. you know, i'm I'm being paid to do something that I love, to to raising up teams. It didn't mean that it was perfect or anything like that. But I really thought that this was what I was gonna do for the rest of my life, at least in that sphere. Maybe I wouldn't be doing music forever, but I've just felt like I would be involved in some way or another with church ministry. And everything changed on Father's Day 2009. And when I mean Mm -hmm. that, it really did. I flew out to Colorado Springs, Colorado, met with a guy named Ross. At the time, Sean, I think I was like 31 years old. I was a year and a half into this position um, in Connecticut. And things were going really, really well at, at my job. And I reached out to this guy, Ross, because I was hungry to be you know, mentored by leaders in the same position that I was. And he was working at this huge, very influential church. And he invited me out to come to one of their conferences. And he said he would meet with me in between some meetings. So we sit down on Father's Day between services in his office. Uh, that Father's Day was a Sunday. So <laughs> I don't feel like I like, took away time from his kids or anything. <laughs> And I walked into his office and I was stunned. Like he was at the top of the mountain, both like figuratively and literally like the back windows of his office look, you know, I could see the Rockies, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy has had it made. He's, he's, he's made it. And we had a great conversation. But when I went back to my hotel room to process everything that happened, I asked myself this like super innocent question and it would end up changing like the course of my career and my life. And I asked myself, do I want this guy's life in 15 years? because I was 31, he was in his mid 40s, right? And I was like, do I want this guy's life in 15 years? And I was shocked when the answer was no. So that really started me down a path where I started asking more and more questions. What do I want to do? What, what do I want my life to look like? Where do I want to be? And if I could be totally honest, I I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, your life's call is to, Sing the same songs for thirty minutes every Sunday for mm-hmm. the same you know seven hundred people for the rest of your life. Yeah, no like foundation. I just couldn't. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. Right. So it was really like an earthquake moment, and I just didn't really know what to do, and that led me down a completely different path in terms of where I was going to go. So a couple of years later, I resigned from that church music position. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I moved back to New Jersey where I grew up most of my life and I landed a job. Just, it just kind of came out of nowhere and they made me the marketing director for this company. But that was really phase one. And I think if I could tie a bow on that phase of my life, I would say, you know, take a look at yourself, a closer look at yourself by looking above you, like pick someone at the top of your company or your industry, your market. Deeply consider his or her lifestyle, their income, their you know day to day schedule, and ask yourself like, do I want a life that looks like that? And that's what happened mm-hmm. when I met Ross. Mm-hmm. I I found someone who was at the top of the mountain that I was climbing, and I realized I was climbing the wrong mountain, and it it was just like surreal feeling to go through mm-hmm. that.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you're sharing this because I remember hearing you recount this for the first time, and it made me like rethink a bit about what I was doing. I was looking at, like you said, people above me or kind of where I imagined myself, and it didn't line up at all. And and it's it can be really strange for the public or people, family, friends, people that know you, colleagues to see you make a transition because in some ways it looks like you already are doing what you want to do. It seems like a mountaintop type experience, especially in the worlds that we were originally working in. I mean, music on a stage, getting paid to be a musician and be in front of people is like, there's a lot of glamor in that that role. Mm -hmm. But you made a a significant transition. Can you tell us about how that happened and how you ended up starting your own business?
1: Yeah, so I resigned from this job. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. So I, I literally, I mean, I read some of my journal entries from that point in my mm-hmm. life. I still have them, and I'm just like, Whoa, I can't believe I did yeah. this. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is almost grossly irresponsible, yeah. but it wasn't. You know, I was younger. I didn't have kids. You know, anything like that. Right. So I land this job at a company I used to work for. It was an educational company where I used to teach high school and junior high students to prepare for their SATs, their college entrance exams. I'd always maintained a really good relationship with the owners of the company. And they found out that I had moved back from to New Jersey, from Connecticut. And so they reached out, hey, do you want to get dinner sometime? We heard you're back in town. I was like, sure, sure, sure. That would be great. And they asked me point blank, hey, do you want to come and teach a few classes? We just opened a new location and you actually live nearby. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not interested. I, you know, I'm too old to do this kind of stuff. I don't want to teach, mm-hmm. you know, stuff, you know, SAT stuff to kids. You know, I just finished this great dream job and then I left it and I'm not going to go back to something that I did in college. Right. Right. But I was getting a little restless. I just didn't you know, know what I was going to do. And that gap year, if you will, I spent a lot of weekends traveling and doing itinerant music and speaking in the church scene because I had so many friends in that world. Mm-hmm. But I found I was traveling too much. So in an effort to kind of stay home and stay active, like I, I, agreed to teach a few classes and stuff like that at the academy. And one day I'm walking out of work, you know, I'm working there just a few hours a week, maybe, you know, six hours a week or something like that. And the owner of the company says, Hey, do you have a second? Can you look at this? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And she shows me an ad that the company is running in their local newspaper. And I look at the ad and I'm like, no, this is wrong. You need to change this, change the wording here, change the font there. What you're selling isn't really clear. There's no call to action. And she just looked at me like I had three heads. She's like, (laughs) how do you know how to do this? And I was like, I don't know. Right. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it just makes sense to me. And in retrospect, I now realize that my real marketing education happened when I worked at the church. Mm-hmm. because I'd done so many events. I'd created so many promotional materials for events during that time. We held conferences, we, we released you know, music albums that we recorded in studio and in live settings. I mean, outside of being a wedding planner, I was the most busy live event coordinator you'll find. We had a live event every <laughs> Sunday. right? Yeah. So I accumulated all these skills that I didn't realize I had. And she asked me point blank, would you consider running marketing for the entire company Mm -hmm. name your price? And I was just like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, I don't, I am not formally trained in marketing. I don't know exactly what to say or do here, but I do know the company and I do know the owners and I know that they could, you know, change a lot of things and benefit a lot. So I gave her a number and to my complete and total surprise, it was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, She said, yes. And I was like, all right, cool. And I started that job. But as soon as I started that job, I knew I had to keep one foot out the door or at least keep one eye looking out the window Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be in that job forever either. So I loved it in the sense that it challenged me and then opened up a new world to me. But there was no way I could say that this was also what I was going to do for the rest of my life. So I really just started taking what I was doing at work, the things that I was learning in marketing. I started devouring a ton of marketing books. And at the same time, I was looking for books about how to start your own career or how to step out and be your own boss, what the solopreneur life looked like. And after probably about a year and a half of working at that job full time, I was able to build a big enough audience to get out of my job and create a new career. So basically within about three and a half years, I completely shifted careers, landed a new job, and then quit that job and started my own business. And it was crazy
0: time. Yeah. Yeah, that's so wild. I mean, there's so many things that we could unpack there. and I don't know if we'll get the chance today, but I mean, a lot of people listening, right? They have soft skills that they think they have from a previous position or job. And they think they could maybe make that transition, but they don't, they tell the story that they don't have the actual skills required. They're not really a teacher. They're not really a speaker. Right. But they don't realize that a lot of those things that were honed in from previous settings are completely able to be translated into other settings.
1: Yeah. And, and to jump on that most clarifying exercise that I did one day, I was just like, so frustrated with like what am I going to do with my life? Literally, I could read my journal. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like who, who am I? Who am I trying to help? Right. And I jotted down a short list of things that I did in all these various jobs that I just mentioned. Right. So number one, I might write down, like I taught high school students and then number two, I spoke at church and number three, I wrote songs. And number four, I led meetings for, you know, music team volunteers and recruited volunteers. Number five, like I marketed the albums we recorded. Number six, I hosted conferences, something along those lines. And then it hit me. All I had to do was cross out the end of each of those sentences. <laughs> and I saw this list and said, I taught, I spoke, I wrote, yeah. I led meetings, I marketed, I hosted conferences. And when I saw those words like staring back at me, it was like I saw myself in a different light or really I, you could say like I saw myself for the first time. Because for so much of our lives, we see ourselves through the lens of a company, an organization or a role. Rather than what you just said, Sean, you know, who we really are, the skills that we inherently possess or that we've honed over time, we fail to see our own unique expertise. Mm -hmm. So I just started to say these to myself all the time. I'm a teacher, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer, I'm a facilitator. And those weren't even all things that were in my job description, but there are a lot of things baked into that and, you know, that's just a very, you know, general list, but that exercise really, really helped me reinvent myself and it helped me
0: change the story I was telling myself, not just what I was telling the public, but really what I was telling myself. Yeah. That's so good. When you work through these mental exercises and you begin to dream and see where you imagine yourself and then you look at your current setting and the desk that you have to drive to every single day and sit at and, you know, kind of give 50% mm-hmm. to it because you aren't fully in it. I know that can be a really frustrating experience because you see where you want to be, but you're living in this like current reality. And I know you've talked about this famous selfie you t- <laughs> you took while you were in that s- spot, right? You saw where you wanted to be, but you were living that current reality. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I, I don't know how I came up with this
1: one either. It's just, I, I feel like it could only emanate from my strange <laughs> mind, you know? So I cooked this up when I was working that marketing job you know, at the company. And it was a great job. They really loved me and and the results that I helped the company get. I was also totally miserable. So I started taking selfies on my phone, privately, of course, (laughs) during those moments when I was really, really miserable. And it's funny because every time I felt like giving up on launching my own business, I would open this folder because I realized that it was very easy for me to get lulled back into the grind like we'd have these really fun company holiday parties right and everyone would have a great time and then that party would end and it would sort of lull you into this sense mm-hmm. that, no, we did really good things. Now grind it out for three more months. <laughs> yeah. Right. They had a very subtle way of luring me back into the grind. Yep. And I'd find myself thinking after those days, like, you know, those parties, well, you know, this isn't all that bad. I should be grateful I have this job. And then I'd be like, dude, wake up, man. Like you just yeah. quit one job where you were way more successful. You had a lot more connections for this job and now you're going to fall into the same thing. so then i whip out these sadistic selfies where i look absolutely miserable and remind myself to be grateful but not lull that lull myself to sleep and even now like now that i've been in my own business for a number of years six seven years now anytime i'm doing some sort of life sucking task i just remember that i have these selfies where i'm just like why am I doing this? You know, hire this out. Yeah. Right. So I, I know that that sounds a little strange, but a wise man once said, like, there are two things in life that motivate you, the fear of pain and the desire for pleasure. Yeah. Pain is a very
0: powerful motivator. So I intentionally tapped into that yeah. to motivate myself to get out. It's so good. I mean, when I when I heard you talk about that, like I did that myself. I'll, I have a photo of my sadistic selfie and I, mm. I'll share that somewhere because I look miserable. Right. <laughs> and it spoke so much to me because... In my job and in my previous role, a lot of people saw like, ah, Sean is generally happy and fun to be around and that kind of thing. But when I would go home to my wife or I would go around friends and family, they would see me kind of this like burnt out. They would see this version of myself that wasn't the true self. And hmm. that picture just like emulates like, oh, I'd never want to be that <laughs> because it's it's not who I am. It doesn't represent who I am, the life I want to live. And I love that you continue taking that photo to this day because life is too short to, to really be in a state of, you know, not doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. So Mike, I mean, you're, you're you're a marketing and branding consultant. You work these days as a speaker, you know, you run various mastermind groups, you have other things that you work on that you don't talk about all the time that are mission driven. And so for people listening to the podcast today, I mean, they are likely starting a business, there may be one of these like accidental entrepreneurs like you and I, or they might be in an existing role at a mission driven company or a nonprofit or uh, a business that they're looking to, to grow and scale. And marketing and branding can feel so daunting. So would you mind tell us a little bit about how, if you're just starting out right now, or you're looking to really like grow and scale what you're doing, can you help us frame how we should approach marketing and how we should begin to look at it?
1: Yeah. You've mentioned a few times us doing work that we really believe in mm-hmm. and that can happen through a nonprofit. It can happen through business. You know, it can happen through charities and in, in any number of ways. But I think what's easy to lose sight of is that this has to come from our core. A lot of times people will contact me or reach out to me and say, Hey, can you help us with our marketing? Because they think mar- better marketing will lead to more money right? Whether they make more money, they raise more money, whatever it is. But there's a step that precedes marketing. And this word also starts with an M. And that word is movement. Like what movement do you want to launch? If you look at some of these organizations, some of these companies, right? Um, Tom's Shoes, they're doing more than just selling shoes. Any political civil rights leader, there's a deeper sense of calling. They're looking to launch a movement. My early years... I didn't really think like that. I was just like, I just want to get out of my day job. Hmm. I'm just taking these sadistic selfies so I can get out of my day job. (laughs) Right. But once I started getting really close to leaving that day job, and once I left, I had to ask myself, like, what do I really care about? Do I just want to make money and like Hmm. live on the beach somewhere? Like what do I really want to do? And so I realized the first step to everything is really formulating your point of view. And This is so important because voicing or even having your own opinion can seem very unsettling because if you've spent your life in an organization or in a company, or like I did, you know, any religious organization, Mm -hmm. having your own opinion isn't always really a good thing. (laughs) I work with a lot of folks who come out of government work or military or education or healthcare or law. And in those industries, very highly specialized industries and highly regulated industries, if you have an opinion, you get your wrist slapped. Mm-hmm. So you can see how this may not serve you, even though you're very you know, intelligent, very smart, very diligent, it may not serve you in entrepreneurship. Because in entrepreneurship, whenever you start an organization, a company, you have to have a point of view. It's a different line of work, right? So to help draw out what's inside, I use three simple questions. I call this the uh, personal brand three or the PB three for short. And you know, again, I'm from Jersey, so I sometimes use a little bit of salty language, but the first question is what pisses you off? And the second question is what breaks your heart? And the third question is what's the big problem you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And at the intersection of those three questions is really your point of view, it's how you see the world. It's how you see things in that particular market or industry if I could rephrase it another way, question one, what pisses you off is really about the injustice you see in the world. So a lot of us tuning into this podcast, we see injustice in the world. Mm -hmm. And number two, you know, what breaks your heart? We see or we carry compassion. And those are very mission-driven words, injustice Mm -hmm. and compassion. And three, what's the big problem you're trying to solve? That is the purpose of your business, your nonprofit, your organization, whatever you do. And it is again at the intersection of those three things that we find our point of view. And that's what makes marketing easy. Mm -hmm. When I go to a client or a company and they say, we want you to help us market this product or this program. I'm like, well, what's the driver behind this? Is there one? Mm -hmm. Because if we can contextualize it with a story that provides context for the content that you're trying to sell or for the program, you're trying to sell. And I know that some people might feel like this is way overblown, right? Like, nah, you know, this, uh, this can't be that big of a deal. But imagine you and I, like we, we walk up to some speaker after we hear like this riveting life-changing speech, you know, and we ask her like, Hey, so why'd you get into speaking? And she responds, well, I'm really just doing this to make money. (laughs) We'd be so disappointed. Right. I mean, there's clients I work with. They do not need more money. They're doing it for impact. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of people that I like to work with.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I know a lot of people may be listening, even the word like personal branding. It's a loaded word, right? People think one thing about personal branding. Some people think another thing about personal branding. And I think at the end of the day, like people these days want to buy from businesses or donate to organizations that they care about. And to do that, they need to stand for something. And if you're listening to the podcast today and personal branding even seems like something that I don't know if I want to start a personal brand, I might want to start a company. Even these days, like we know the people behind these brands, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, Tesla, like we know Elon Musk is behind Tesla and we know Jack is behind Square and in these other companies. Like in 2021, there isn't faceless companies. And so I think right. it's so important to one as a company, as a brand, as an organization to know what you stand for, but also personally know that you bring so much more to the company than just like the strategy and the business plan, but you bring your whole self to it.
1: Yeah, it is. It is so true. You have two great examples there. Sarah Blakely with Spanx is another great mm-hmm. example. And when we talk about branding, there are a lot of different definitions about branding, but branding is just all about identity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just all about how people perceive us. And then building a personal brand business is crafting an identity that is comprised of your expertise, your Mm -hmm. reputation, your ideas, and your personality. All that's mixed in to create an intentional brand. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or knew this, but like hundreds of years ago, back in the 1700s, there's this English potter named Josiah Wedgwood, who he's often called the father of modern marketing. And he was the first guy that we know of who really leveraged "quote unquote" branding hmm. to create a company. So he won this like pottery contest, you know, hosted by Queen Charlotte in England. And after he won, he started writing on all of his pottery or calling it Queen'sware. We're like, okay, that's what branding. Uh, branding is that's, but that's not real. Yeah, that's not real. It's it's a, it's an identity, but it's not real. It's just he's dead now, how long since dead, his company quote unquote lives on, but it's really an idea. It's, it's an identity. It's a perception that people have. And I would just say this, especially for those of us who are looking to build companies or uh, nonprofits that are mission driven. What I've seen Sean in in the last couple of years in this space where people are going more active on social media and all these things, I see this space play out in two ways and neither of them are really good. Right. Mm -hmm. The first group of people sell a false version of themselves. They think that that image or that perception alone is going to get them the results or the attention they want. And those folks don't realize you have to earn attention. It's not OT. You have to earn it. An extreme example is like in my industry, there are a lot of people who do this. They rent out some mansion on Airbnb, <laughs> they stage a photo shoot and yeah. they pretend like it's their house. Right. Yeah. It's like so ridiculous. That's the flip side of it is you lie. You just present a false version of yourself and you mm-hmm. overshare in the name of authenticity. And they talk nonstop about their problems or their issues. Sometimes they reveal way much more than what's like even comfortable to read about. Right. And it's like, those people are trying to sell their struggles. And it doesn't work. It's like a car wreck. They get attention, but it's like very short lived. So to just tie a bow on this, I, I, I present this simple question as a litmus test for how you're going to build your brand and the face of your organization, your company. Mm-hmm. Can I build a campfire around what I'm sharing? Ask yourself that. And what I mean by that is, is there warmth? Are you building something that's attractive and inviting to others? Can you build a community around it? Are you someone whom others like want to invite onto their stages or in front of their employees or into their lives? As I've grown through the years, I I never really had language to put to it, but the content that I share, the podcasts that I create, the programs that I launch, I just want to be able to create stuff that other people can feel invited to that there is a community around it. And that's how you start movements. It's up to you how you want to launch your movement. Some t- people have built entire movements around really bad things. But for those of us who are listening here, like we, I believe, want to do good in the world. Ask
0: yourself, how do I build a campfire around this?
1: And then go from there.
0: Such so that's a good question to pose. Like, can we build a camp? I mean, allude back to like one of our first gatherings that you and I had with some other colleagues and, and friends of ours was around a campfire. And mm-hmm. that was what, two and a half years ago or something, three years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. And to this day, people I've met around that campfire is some of the most meaningful relationships I have in not just my career, but my personal life. And that's just like an analogy for what if we were able to build that experience around our companies, around our businesses, mm-hmm. around our brands. So Such a good question. To close, I'm just curious, what are ways that you feel like in your business, what are ways that you are able to bring some of the things that you care about into what you do?
1: I think what I have learned now about myself, Sean, is that I have a certain set of skills and there are other industries or other people in other industries that could really benefit from those skills. And one of the things I've done over the last four or five years is partner with a friend of mine, named Mary Viloni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Mary is a fundraising consultant and she has a heart to help nonprofits raise money. Mm-hmm. She's worked with the American Cancer Society, the Special Olympics, the ALS Association, mm-hmm. and we just providentially met, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, we hit it off and we started a training company teaching folks how to raise money. So she does the fundraising strategy side of things. And I do the marketing and messaging side of things and we're like peanut butter and jelly, really? it's a, it's a great combination. Now you can't really see this stuff on my site or in my brand. I just kind of keep it separate cause it's a separate entity and it's not really the main thing of what I do, but it's a passion project.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's something really important to me. It makes my life more rich because I feel like I'm directly using my skills and talents, you know, to serve people that I don't necessarily have the ability to serve full-time because I love entrepreneurship. I love businesses. Mm -hmm. I love solopreneurs. That's where I really feel like I can thrive and be my best self. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to withhold my gifts and withhold my talent or experience. So I was fortunate enough to find a partner Who does love that space and partner with her? And that relationship with Mary has been like a rocket ship for us to really, really make an impact. And it's really funny, the full circle. You know, I talked about how I used to work at a church. And for many, many years, I really looked back on that and I was like, maybe I made the wrong decision. And here I am now, like seven, eight years later. Yeah. And I'm helping thousands more people. in a significantly better way i'm really influencing and impacting people who are going out there and making a difference so that was an internal thing for me to you know wrestle with over the years but i look at this now and i'm comfortable with the chaos and i'm Mm. comfortable with not knowing and you know you had said hey you're always moving around you're always doing things (laughs) you know and i just recently thought about this and I, i posted it but It's the routine of chaos and really understanding that I really do love uncertainty and I love variety. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that the more mature path was to settle down and do one thing or be in one career or be in one place. But now I really love that I'm built this way because it's allowed me to help people that most other people aren't able to help because Mm -hmm. I was comfortable with risk.
0: Yeah. So I just, I still enjoy the routine of chaos. So good. I think there's probably people listening today that don't, they don't really feel like there was like a path laid out for them where there's like, oh, you can option one or option two or option three, like what career do you want to go down? And, you know, they feel like maybe they're someone like us who has to kind of pave their own way towards uncertainty. I think it's, it's so important. And so thanks for sharing that. I love that. I mean, I think it's a testament to, you know, your humility in that you are involved in some of these things no one even knows about. And it's purely out of, passion and out of generosity. And you've been generous with us on the podcast today was sharing these experiences. So thank you so much. And as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share or any final takeaways?
1: Yeah, I'm just grateful for the platform to be able to share some of these thoughts. If you want to follow up a little bit more on this, I've got a book coming out. It's called You Are The Brand. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff that I shared today is based on stuff that I've distilled you know aggregated into this book it's an eight-step blueprint to help you showcase your unique expertise and to be the face of your business right this this is the world that we live in today everyone really has their own brand whether your business or not but if you're really interested in building a business around your brand your personality your ideas your expertise your reputation your message um, I'd love for you to check out the book, and you can get it at youarethebrandbook.com or just listen to the podcast. Find me on Instagram. I'm everywhere, but that's where the book is, youarethebrandbook.com.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, we'll definitely have links to all of the information about, that Mike just shared. You can go to the website and look at his book. He's Mike Kim TV on all of the social medias. You can visit his website at Mike Kim. I know you've been a lot more active on YouTube lately, so if you want to search for yeah. Mike on YouTube, but Mike Thank you so much. It was really fun hanging out with you on the podcast today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me All right, what a really fun episode with Mike some really good things in there. I know we kind of jumped to a few different topics, but man, uh, it really did feel like it came full circle for me, not just because, um, you know, my first podcast interview that I ever did was on Mike's podcast, but really these exercises that we talked about in the episode are things that I literally did when I was making my own career pivot or transition. So if you're listening to the show today and you're on this journey of starting your own business or you're starting an initiative or working on a project that is really important to you, I've really encouraged you to do one of these things that Mike talked about. You might just be frustrated working every day and you're kind of miserable. Take out your phone and and take that sadistic selfie like Mike talked about and I'll literally post my photo of mine just take that photo because looking back at yourself and what everyone else sees and looking at it for the first time was a really eye-opening experience for me i look at that photo pretty regularly and it reminds me of what i left behind and i'm really thankful that i made the transition i did and i'm really thankful i took that photo to remind myself if you feel stuck right now and you have a lot of self-doubt of Hey, I know I want to maybe go move into this direction or this field or this industry, but I don't feel like I have the skills that are required. Do that exercise. Write down the things that you do in a given day or week or year in your current job or your current role, or your current career. And do what Mike said uh, write down exactly what you do and cross off the endings, like he said. If you uh, lead workshops, like make sure you write that down. If you're someone who is regularly speaking or leading at events or managing a staff or even like on a technical level, like you're someone who manages databases or whatever these things are, write them down so you know the breadth of what your job really requires of you because it's probably a lot more that's in your job description. And I promise you so much of that skill and those responsibilities translate into where you want to be. And my guess is you're probably a lot more qualified for that upcoming role or that new direction that you want to go in than you think you are. So thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Next week, we have an awesome interview with Fran Cresswell, who's the founder of Get Offset and the Ecodesk. So definitely tune into that one. And if you like what you heard today, uh, it would mean the world to me if you would jump on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a short review. So thanks again. See you next week.